and we are back after a month hiatus. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fulfilling Destiny podcast, everyone, where uh, it is I, your host, Jan Marini Packleb, with some added guests. Uh, but before I introduce them, I just wanted to say that thank you for being patient while I get this current episode out. Um, I've been taking some time to work on my own personal mental health and rearranging some of the topics I would like to talk about. So uh, we're transitioning to more breath and interlacing more topics and concepts that surround the ideas of period poverty, experiencing homelessness, and all political, social, cultural aspects that could bring all those things together. Um, if we all fall in between any of those sectors, I want to sit and spend about an hour to an hour to an hour and a half talking about them because everyone lives separate lives. Everyone experiences are different. And in light of May being Mental Health Mental Health Awareness Month, I want to take today and um, our guests, our singular guest today, on our personal journeys of learning to grow up with different ways to cope with mental health. That's probably a really botched way to explain it, but I, I'm a little rusty, so we're going to guide our way in. So uh, we have our intern today. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the camera? Yeah, so my name is Priyanka. I am currently living in Seattle, Washington. I am a master's in public health student at San Diego State University, and I am an intern at Fulfilling Destiny. Woo! And you're uh, are you graduating? I'm graduating next year. You're graduating next year. Because we're 2022, because we are in peak graduation season. So every week I'm getting invitations to, you know, those Zoom commencements. Like, hey, please come at, at the Zoom link below. <laughs> Which actually also makes me feel better because, oh my gosh, uh, I've heard some friends that had to get dressed uh, for their like siblings or their parents, like first graduation, but it's like four hours in person. And I'm just like, I'm so glad there's a link and I will support you <laughs> safely away in my PJs. Be like, yeah, whoa. <laughs> yeah, they're very long. <laughs> they're very, very long. Um, before we get into the topics that we will be talking about today, I just wanted to ask, like, how did you find Fulfilling Destiny? And then how was it like helping us all the way from your home state of Washington? The distance is kind of strange, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I found Fulfilling Destiny through my school's mailing list. So they send out internships, like, basically every day. And mm -hmm. this one sounded really interesting to me. So I decided to apply and I got, like, a, a response super fast, which was a good impression on me. Um, and then working in Seattle, I don't really know how different it was because I didn't experience working in San Diego. I know I couldn't do any of the distributions, which I wanted to do, but I was able to do distribution here, which was really cool. Yeah, it's kind of, um, it's a little, I, I could imagine it's a little different doing um, work at a different state <laughs> for the school that you're a part of, right? Like the master's program, as you said. And it's not uncommon these days. I, I've been, now meeting a lot more people who have been taking classes outside like out of state from where they're at so like say like New York but they're in taking classes in San Diego and they're trying to do like both like work from home and then go to school here and then it's, it's kind of disorientating in a way I can imagine but it, it, it looked out right you were able to manage uh to do some distributions from your home state so I think that's really good yeah <laughs> It, it 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 worked out and still helps us gets the message out from all the way in San Diego. We thank you. <laughs> we thank you so much for um helping us out um across state lines because it's not only fulfilling destiny. We're not the only one here in San Diego that does mental outreach, but we are probably arguably one of the biggest ones. So um to have that message across state lines is really, really important. Um, to the general message of the ending period part. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Priyanka, for helping us out yeah, as our intern. <laughs> uh, so since the internship is technically over with your final presentation, um, what's next? What's next for you? Um, so I actually got an internship um, with 
a startup company. Mm -hmm. um, so they haven't really launched yet, but I will be working around 30 hours a week. So unfortunately, I really wanted to help with filling Destiny, but I don't know if I will have the time because I also have to work retail as well. Mm -hmm. But no, it's okay. We're here to happily support you through all your endeavors. And um, what exactly would you be doing in the startup, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I just don't know like if how much I'm allowed to say because it is it's like new, a, right? Fair yeah. enough. It's mm. uh, it's working with primary care. Ooh, hey, primary care is something that is kind of near and dear to my heart. Anyways, trying to get into that field already. So, uh, thank you for the service ahead of time. So. <laughs> Now that we're going back into, like, it's been a year. It's been a year since the pandemic has started, right? And now that we're going back, semi-in-person, kind of? Uh, so what are your thoughts about that uh, since now everything... I don't know how it's like in Washington, so I don't know if your policies are any different than California. Um, had there been talks of your state opening up? Again, do you feel a little nervous going back to like in-person businesses and all that stuff? Yeah, so I think Washington is kind of the same as most other states. Uh, we still have, we're still following the CDC. So now that they said that businesses can allow people to not have masks, or my store still makes you wear a mask. Um, I'm fully vaccinated, so I'm not that worried at, for myself at least, but I know mm -hmm cannot be vaccinated mm -hmm. and unfortunately I feel like a lot of people will take advantage of not having to wear a mask even if they're not vaccinated and mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah honestly <laughs> yeah honestly that's the worry I, I was having a discussion about this with uh, my partner um in the car while because we had to go out to get some papers done for the government and the topic of people going out with masks now that there is a like a liftoff from it makes me a little bit more nervous it kind of like kind of spun on its head from last year where people just didn't care um about or the, some people <laughs> i can't say the majority because that's not true some people out there didn't really care um about the implications of being out in public without uh proper safety so i'm glad that you're taking conscious care and you know it's just it just worries it just worries me as an individual but that is something that we can guide along as we further go on so now this is where for all of our listeners out there because this is a pre-recording just want to put this out there when you're listening in the topics today are considered mature mature for a couple of reasons because we will be discussing contents of grief and loss bereavement and um reconciliation with those feelings and if that is a difficult topic to swallow because of your own personal experiences you're more than welcome to tune out <laughs> but um, for those who are willing to engage or willing to listen in I just urge caution okay um, because here in Fulfilling Destiny we, we do three things we do community we do care compassion and there is the last one oh my god I can't believe I forgot it Compassion, care, community, blank, commitment, oh, commitment there. <laughs> commitment. So even through how we support a community, we still have to focus on individual people as well. So that's why I just wanted to put out there um, as we slowly go into the topic of mental health. Okay. All right. So as we all know, since the, it's been a year since the pandemic has started, a lot of people have gone through a lot of ups and downs. And for some people have coped relatively well, and that's great. Some didn't. And I'm sure between the two of us, uh, we could agree that it's been a little hard. And, and that could just be like job loss, separation from family, uh, the idea of just being at home all the time with the relative unknown if we're going to ever get out right, with no vaccine inside. So we'll say March, March 2020, <laughs> the dark ages. <laughs> no. uh, so I don't throw you under the bus right away because <laughs> that'd be very rude of me. Uh, the way that I started thinking about my mental health 
in the pandemic situation is that a lot of my emotions were very short term. Like I reacted fast instead of taking the time to think. So that could be like your stereotypical, like you blow out in anger or you start bursting into tears without really like, oh, wait, it's not that bad. Or it's um, your emotions are way too intense right now. It's like, we really need to take a deep breath and think it through. But that was a lot of the emotions that I had at the beginning. It was very short-term consequences and long-term consequences. So for example, it'd be like, um, I wasn't thinking long-term survival. I was thinking short-term, like day-to-day survival versus week-to-week, which was very taxing on me. It was very taxing on my family too because uh, it's just a lot. It's like, why are you going out? You should be at home, stay home. And then if there was like a argument of like, well, I need to go to the store. It's like, don't go, don't go. Order in, order in, you know. It's like any risk I didn't want to take. And that was uh, hard on me because I was actually sick in the beginning. <laughs> and so there was that implication like, oh my God, I'm going to infect everybody. We don't know how COVID was transmitted from person to person quite yet. So I was like shut in my room. I didn't want to admit to my friends I was sick and my family was worried, but they couldn't help me. So it's a very intense situation saying no to all my friends to my partner from ever seeing them and all that even online was very very mentally taxing but that was the beginning but I know that it might not have been the same for you so what was it like in the beginning the pandemic for you um so at first I was kind of happy that because I remember we were told that it was going to be two weeks of no school or no school <laughs> had to be no school first and then um we never ended up going back and that's when I was like I don't really like this anymore because it felt like a very long like spring break for me but right. then I had online classes and the classes were honestly I was graduating they weren't super engaging and I was already kind of having like senioritis where I just wanted to be done mm, so, right I just, and I wasn't going to work. I was getting unemployment, which was nice, but I was like, I need to do something. I can't stay home all day. I was getting like going crazy. I was like- Cabin fever? Yeah. Yeah. You got a cabin fever. Were you, you're in the same residence as you were last year, correct? Yes. Yeah. So what was, what was your home life in general at the beginning? Cause you said like you had senioritis, you got cabin fever. What did you do to help deal with like the, I need to leave the house <laughs> like I need to get out <laughs> how like what did you do to, to to deal with that uh so me and my mom went on a lot of walks during quarantine um and even then I was like oh my god we're leaving the house <laughs> yeah <laughs> we watched I mean, Day fiance like we finished like five seasons like we just hung out more which was nice because my mom was always working before mm-hmm. and it was actually nice because I was able to see her way more during pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of nice, like for a while. Like I was, I was working. Oh, I was working a uh, night shift a lot, so I missed actually seeing my parents. Like being at home, getting a little spoiled, like with home cooked food and stuff, stuff so like takeout and stuff. It's like, wow, that's really, really nice. It's like, wow, it's not like a high and bye, mom. It's more like, hey, how was your day? Wow, I can actually talk to you for more than two minutes of yeah. my life. Uh, but I didn't go out. I'm a hermit. <laughs> the pandemic in a strange way helped my introversion just like stay introverted instead of me like faking up a smile or something just to go out in public. <laughs> but that's that was just me. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, that's good that you try to still regularly um, make it a habit to at least one, get exercise. That's one. Two, actually leave the house. And three, keep up communication with your family and your fiance. So that's really important too. Um, did that really change a lot um, as the months went by? As I imagine that it did, because there was several ups and downs when it came, like just generally, ups and downs when it came with the pandemic. Like you were so close to having the bans lifted, and then get locked down again. They were so close, and get locked down again. So close and locked down again. Um, what was like that? What was it like for you in Washington? Yeah. 
So it was actually easier the longer it went on. I think I got more used to it. Um, mm -hmm. And I kind of had to change my lifestyle a little bit because I was going out like every day before that, coming home at like two in the morning. And then I started waking up at like six, 6 a.m., going to sleep at like 8 p.m. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're an adult, <laughs> an actual adult. That's not that normal times and not college time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh no, mine got worse. <laughs> I hate to admit it, it got worse. Stay at 4 a.m., wake up at 3 p.m. Oh no. Yeah, but it was it was too hot to function for me. Down here, it's too hot to function. <clears throat> so um as it went on, I know that you've mentioned that something very uh a big significant life event had changed all that. What was like that for you? you so oh yeah, so before it was actually before the pandemic. So in mm. October of 2019, um, I was in a relationship before that for two years and I actually lost the person I was in the relationship with. And so I, the way I coped was hanging out with his friends like all the time. But then when the pandemic happened, I couldn't see anyone. So that also made it way harder because I had that to rely on. And then after that, I didn't anymore. And it happened so quick that I didn't know what to do. You were still grieving. Yeah. You were still grieving. And some that sucks. The, the lifeline, or whatever you want to call it, with the attachment that you had to their memory. Sorry. Um, boyfriend? Yes. <laughs> boyfriend. Um, the attachment to his memory in the form of his friends and whatever lingering feelings I have to have it all pulled out of you so quick yeah I could I, I could imagine the coping in a pandemic alone it was very very difficult the social aspect that you needed to help process those feelings when you were still at the height of your grief yeah definitely that was it was it was pretty hard because um and I would like I started to kind of like after when it first happened after October I kind of threw myself into going to the gym all the time. I started studying for the GRE. I was seeing a bunch of people. Like I was never home. I was never alone to think about anything. And so then when the pandemic happened, like I had to think about everything. So that was also very difficult for me. Um, like instead of focusing about yourself to help process those emotions, then you have to worry about everybody. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that was something, that's something to think about as well. That's a lot in your face. And the, yeah, a lot of it in your face, that would make anybody like stay up all night just to think about over and over again. Mm -hmm. Then again, sorry for your loss. Oh. What that's like. <laughs> I know what that's like. And that sucks. It, it really does. And there's no way to sugarcoat about it. It's mm -hmm. loss is a loss. But um, aside from coping with a lot of those new emotions that came out, like worrying about your friends, your family, um, the the grief that you still have lingering inside your heart. How did you cope? Like, did you have to rely on your family more because they're at home? Um, did you seek counseling if that was an option for you? Medication? What was like, the, oh, what was that? What were, the, what were the roads for you to cope? During the pandemic or just in general? It could be like a timeline from then to the pandemic and then till now. Okay. Yeah. So when it first happened, um, my mom is actually a therapist. So she was oh, very nice. in getting me into therapy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and like the process was hard because, I mean, I would call a bunch of numbers and then... The Sorry. Hold on. Oh, you're fine. Oh, sorry. Anyways, <laughs> ignore the awkwardness of my dad calling me for dinner. <laughs> my mom did that right when we started. She brought in pizza and I was like, <laughs> sorry about that. I know this is like, I know it's a serious topic, but that was way too funny. Oh my goodness. Please excuse me. Anyways, you were saying um, your, your mother was quick to get you to therapy right away. Yes. So, and even then, like, um, when I, I had to go through my doctor to see a therapist and it the therapist was all full 
but because mm-hmm. it was kind of like an emergency situation, they put me in. Um, so therapy helped a lot. Um, and when I first started going, she mentioned taking antidepressants, which I was just like, no, not going to do that. Um, I kind of thought like, I don't have a chemical imbalance. At least I don't think I do. I, it's more grief. Like it's not going to help. And I don't know. I just, there's a lot of stigma attached to taking medication for mm-hmm. depression and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but then actually two months ago, I started taking medication for depression because it, it was just like the therapy was just not enough for me. Mm-hmm. And it was just getting extremely hard to cope. So I started taking antidepressants and they've honestly helped so much. And I'm like, why didn't I do this last year? Yeah, like you said, it's the, it's the stigma. Um, just another question, because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Um, did you switch? Did you go through several therapists? Or did you only have one? I only had one. Okay, you only had one. Okay, yeah. it's, just a, it's just a question, because um, I've no... Personally, I've only stuck with one. Um, before I get into that, I'll, I'll explain later. Um, I just know that sometimes it's a bit of both, like going through many to find the one that fits or trying medication and then going through the dosages to find out which one fits. Um, but it seems like you did both. You did both. You got you got to see someone and then you you wound up getting taking um, some medication eventually. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Um, were you actually in person? And then switch to online um, because of the, the pandemic? Yeah, so I was in person. And then after it switched to online, I think I only saw her once. And then I didn't see her because it was just wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. And um, I went back in like, I think, October of 2020. So I didn't go for like five months. Yeah, it's it's. Like quite a while since your last time my dog came in. <laughs> it's been a while since um, then, but I'm glad that it's helping now. The medication's helping, and then but before we get into it, I've since you you've <laughs> you were able to be vulnerable. I'll be vulnerable with you as well. Um, so I was already going to therapy, uh, and by then the start of the pandemic. Uh, luckily, thankfully, she was able to uh, put me in online it wasn't entirely the same because my sister and my parents were at home so they could hear me so it made it very difficult to be as completely honest with my feelings and whatever emotions I was going through so that was kind of hard because I'm pretty sure they've heard me cry <laughs> let's be honest I'm pretty sure they have but it was difficult too because of uh, finding like you said it was full right there was it was a full list and to not have the availability that I could have had in person sucked. Um, and then like you, uh, my therapist suggested that I should try antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds. I said no, because of the already the stigma that already exists, especially as someone is under a meeting. <laughs> uh, I could smell it. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Go figure. Um, there was already a stigmatization. Yeah, English is really hard today. There is already a stigma against the use of medication, even more so as a cisgender woman taking medication for emotions that society deems as unruly, right? Like sad, crying, angry, depressed. All those things were already in my mind when she suggested it the first time. So I was like, no, I will just talk my feelings out, we'll work through whatever methods it will take to make my brain feel more put together than not. So that was difficult. Downside is, is that when I really needed her during my personal life event that happened, um, my grandmother suffered a stroke. And that was a very traumatic event. She's okay. But the events that led up to it were very startling. So I tried to reach out to her, but I hadn't heard from her in a month. Then I just got a phone call that it was her husband saying that my therapist actually was in the hospital due to respiratory issues. I haven't heard from him since. So in my own fear, I didn't call back because I didn't want to hear if she had 
passed away or not. So right now I still don't know. I haven't gotten any emails or anything about payments or anything like that. So right now that's on me. I didn't want to find the answer. And that's the worst part. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit of a bad trait on my end. Like sometimes I just don't want to know um, to sell, to save my own um, mental sanity. So from July up until now, I actually haven't seen anybody. So I've been throwing myself into work, working at home or uh, relying on my online friends um, to cope with some of these emotions. But it's been very difficult. It's been very, very difficult without that extra support. And now that it's manageable, but I think it's because I've been busy. But I know that sometimes I catch myself when like when everything is quiet, I get a little jittery, I get a little too anxious being in like in my head for too long. So I think it's about time that I should try to find somebody new or consider going on medication as well. <laughs> uh, because I, I you can't tough the, you can't tough these things out. You really can't. I don't think that's accurate for anybody really. Someone like you would need a, a little bit of help every now and again. Whether it's like emotional support through talking to friends and family, or if you do need to rely on professional help, even if things are um, in the in the in the case of pills or stuff like that. So there's my there's my bit on how I've been coping. But lately it's been good. Just stress, just work stress, but not emotional stress, stress. Thank yeah, goodness. Different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's it's hard. It's hard to like really cope sometimes. I, I feel like I just it's just been harder, but it's because I'm not currently in school right now. It's not like I had to deal with that and on top of completing my assignments or anything like that. Um you said you were in you were at least starting grad school when this happened. So what was that like going up and down with mental health on top of all your assignments that were due or projects or anything like that? What was school life for you? <laughs> yeah, so it happened, um, like he passed away um, during my undergrad when I was about to graduate. Um, that's when I was gonna apply to grad school and everything. Um, so my professor who I told what happened to was trying to get me to, to like do a, I guess when you drop out of a class almost, a drop, you drop the class, but you pass it because of, there's a certain word for it, I don't remember, but basically it's like it pass, but you don't get a grade. Mm, and, okay. um, and I was just like, I don't wanna do that. <laughs> so you push through. Yeah, I and it was actually it helped me to like put everything into school. And then I started, I was like, Oh, my God, I missed the deadline for UW Seattle for public health. And as I applied to all these other schools like San Diego State. So that's why I go to San Diego State. Um, but I literally started studying for the GRE like for hours every day. And that's how I was able to cope during that time. But when it got to like, grad school it was way harder because it just wasn't working and that's when I decided to go see my therapist again because putting all my energy into schoolwork was just not helping at all you needed something else yeah because mm -hmm. I, I I saw something similar to with the students since I teach AVID online um I see I see it in the students where they're just not connecting they're so out of tune assignments are incomplete like we've had you call them at-risk students, at-risk students are failing out a class or several classes, but it's because they're, um, it could be a lot of factors, right? It's just online is not for them, too much noise at home, or they just can't cope. And I really think it's like, it's a little, it's more of the third than anything else, is that coping, coping at that age when everything is so disconnected was really strange. Now, a year later, most are back in school now with a mask. It's not the same. You can't, you know, give hugs to your friends or anything like that, but they prefer it. Some don't, but you know, it's it's just preference around. But I'm glad that you've sought out help in that case, because like I said, you couldn't pour everything in the school. Like in the same way I couldn't pour everything into my work, I had to shut it off. 
or I just shut off the wall that I've made for myself. Like I couldn't make, I couldn't give, I couldn't give myself more roadblocks. Like I had to eventually open up all these emotions and deal with them as best as I could because I couldn't do it for a while. And my relationships have suffered. Or it's just like you're you're so turtled right now. When are you gonna let yourself feel? I'm just like, I can't. <laughs> if I feel I get attached, and then when something goes wrong, it'll fall apart. Mm-hmm. So that was um that was very very difficult like I know I made jokes about this but when my sister was leaving here I was very worried for her when she left and when she left I cried like a baby the first night she was gone I cried like a baby she's like oh my god it's like she's already there it's in Vegas of all places I'm just like Vegas (laughs) their mass rules are very lax very lax and I'm just like yeah that's why I was just like Oh my God, if someone infects her, I'm going to go fight that person. I swear to God, if anything happens to her, how am I going to reach her? You know, she's like six or seven hours. Like all those rampant thoughts were coming into my head. And then same with like my parents too. Just like my mom's a nurse and my dad worked formerly now, but like worked at BCHC hospital. It's like, oh my God, the one time I don't want a profession that is up close to potential COVID stuff, but it was something I worried about every night when my parents went to work. It's just like, I swear to God, they better not (laughs) get infected or get sick because it's like, what am I going to do? And because of what happened to my grandma, the the initial thoughts, like, if my parents XYZ or even my sister, how how was I going to help? like the money the bills the time like then what about the house the car you know all those things like who's gonna look after me you know it's like has this already been planned out for me or did I have to make it like have their you know all of those plans I didn't think I needed to worry about was something I had to worry about now or like all those conscious things like all right bills who pays bills? Who's going to, like, do I inherit money or do I not? Does it go to somebody else? Do I have to reach out to family to help me deal? Or do I have to go back to work because I'm at home all the time? Did my parents get extra help with mortgage payments or anything like that? And those are like the thoughts that kept me up at night. So I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's a lot to think about. And that's probably why I really need to go call somebody soon. <laughs> but it's a it was something to uh, think about that's what makes it so difficult thankfully I had a good corner of friends who made sure to check up on me every now and again but I know I have to be more accountable to my own mental health so of course that means like sleeping at a normal hour ish right go for a walk when I can make sure to see the sun at least drink water not soda or energy drinks or too much coffee eat a normal meal um even if i'm not hungry i can't waste away in my own room because that's what good would it do to me if i feel worse on top of my head not feeling so great it's just all over the place um but there's that spiel (laughs) but now that we get into the talks of like finding help again uh, what are your personal thoughts about how why there is a strong stigma against medication use not just as like just as a whole but we can also get into specific as well what are your current thoughts about um the use of medication now since you're currently using them um well i don't so i don't even know if it's a real stigma but it's almost that i feel um embarrassed to tell people that i'm taking medication so Mm -hmm. when i like went to pick up at the pharmacy i'm like oh my god they can see like what i'm taking and like Um, I mean, obviously they see everything. They're not really judging me, but it just kind of feels like it. Or like, I don't want to tell people I don't know because I don't want them to think like, oh, she has like a lot of problems or Mm. anything like that. And just culturally, I feel like um, my doctor even asked me if people in my family have um, history of depression. And I was like, honestly, I wouldn't know because we don't talk talk about it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the kicker. (laughs) That's the kicker. My my therapist did ask the same. It's like, hmm. Uh, she's she could she's a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, so she could prescribe me medication. But she's she did ask me, 
do you know if there's anyone in your family has suffered from moderate to severe anxiety or moderate to severe depression? I'm just like, we don't talk about it. It's a very AAPI and honestly across across the globe, it's very culture that you just don't talk about it in your family or you don't want to admit it that it happens in the family. But I wouldn't know. <laughs> I still don't know. Exactly. Um, pat, like patrilinearly or matrilinearly, I do not know. Um, guess the world may never know, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, so you don't, in your own household, you don't talk about it. But your mom's a therapist. Uh, mm-hmm. So that helps too. So because she's a therapist, did it help you like come into terms with it better or it's a more safe, safe, comfortable topic to talk about um, in your household? Yeah, so I mean, I, I've been told that I'm a very private person. So a lot of people in my life just don't even know that I'm on medication. So I didn't even talk to my mom about it. Not that I'm not comfortable. It's just like, I don't talk to anyone about it. Um, but I did tell her um, and she was kind of confused a little bit because I started taking it now. And so she was like, oh, like I didn't realize that you you know, obviously she wasn't like, I didn't realize that you're still suffering from grief, but she was kind of like surprised because I never confided in her that I still felt the same way. And then with my dad, <laughs> he's typical, you know, South mm-hmm. Asian dad was like, oh, like you're, but you're, you're doing so good now. Like you're in grad school, you have, you see all your friends, you have a job, you have an internship. And of course, I love my dad, but you know, like, it's like, <laughs> that, that's not how you measure like someone, how someone's doing emotionally. Yeah, that's not how you measure. It's, uh, it could be your, your coping mechanism, throwing literally everything into work and not dealing with everything else that's inside of you. And I'm assuming that's, <laughs> from, what I get, from what I'm hearing, I'm assuming that was one of the probably many coping mechanisms that you had. <laughs> one of them is working a lot. Um, like you said, it's not a measure of how someone is doing emotionally. And sometimes it's, it really is like that. You don't really know how much someone is suffering despite all the successes and the accolades um, that one has. Like, I mean, we, we've heard that, we always hear this name thrown on all that, uh, Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Great, great actor, great comedian, and then passed away due to, um, I believe it's, it, is, it is rooted to deep depression. Um, but uh, stuff like that. Like for me, it's it's similar. Like throwing myself in the work, I laugh a lot. And then, you know, but I keep a lot of those like harmful things or painful parts about me quiet unless I really trust you. Um, but, and then as far as grief goes, that part never really goes away. Mm-hmm. It comes in waves. And you and I were talking sooner. It's like, how big were these waves? before we even talked about the podcast. It's like, how, how high are they right now? Mine's moderate, <laughs> but yours might be higher, might be low, but it's, um, that part is something that we just got to deal with every now and again when it gets really high. But I'm glad that your parents are at least now aware um, because sometimes it is, at least in my opinion, right? I don't speak for everybody here, um, but, it's good to at least have one person who's in to know if you are taking medication. Um, It does save, uh, in my experience, it does save um, some worry uh, because it's like, what can we do to help? Like, like, has he, she, they took their medication today or not? Um, That could also be a reason why um, someone could be out of sorts for whatever reason, but there's that. Culturally though, I think it is a, it's a bit of a problem it's a bit of a problem is putting it lightly. It is a problem. Um, I feel like more people should be more aware that they might need to be diagnosed to be put on medication. Um, and this needs to be a comfortable topic to talk about because a lot more people our age group are now admitting to it and they have been doing better, but imagine the people before us where they still had to keep all of that under like lock and key um that that is something to think about as well so like my parents personally never share anything that's going on with them but then how much have they just like you how much have they not told me 
and it's like, oh, I see my parents taking, you know, medication for like high blood pressure and stuff. And I'm like, wait, when, when did this happen? <laughs> like, why didn't you tell me, you know? And then I was like, wait, they don't have to tell me. That is their right not to. But then of course I can't help but worry. It's like, and I see them like kind of out of breath or anything. I'm like, did you, did you take medication yet? Did you, did you? <laughs> so it's always just, um, maybe that's just me as an anxious person always like thinking about like the what is, what is, what is. Um, but uh, medication is something that people should think about. Uh, are you expected to be on it for the long-term or short-term? Because I know that it comes in different dosages or like take this for X amount of months or X amount of weeks to see if it helps. And then whether or not that needs to change in the future. Uh, Have they talked to you about that yet? Yeah, so she basically told me that probably for a year minimum for a year Oof. and she said that she tries not to get people off of it during the colder months that's why she said a year because she doesn't want me to stop in like October where it's like darker I mean in Washington it's a lot worse like it gets dark at like four so yeah I don't know if it does that in California but <laughs> it's sunny all the time but we do we do have a, a lot of overcast days like the past week has been overcast and maybe that's why my moods have been a little sour because you don't get a lot of sun and you you do need some amount of sun to make you feel a little bit more happy or perky I guess but that's good so for like at least for now like being on medication has it changed your life like relatively speaking yeah I would say that it was almost like a 180 for me like um and I know I had like kind of obsessive thoughts where I would just kind of go in circles thinking about over and over again like the event that happened and mm -hmm. um, it kind of just helped with that and I don't really know how like it just, just kind of went away. <laughs> yeah just went away yeah wow I mean maybe that's maybe that's that little like push that you need to um not let the event override your life in the way that it probably have in back in the day it's only been what a year two years yeah it's been like a year and like seven months six months that could still feel very fresh though i can imagine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i mean it's I'm glad that you're in a better place than you were then. Um, like, even if I couldn't, <laughs> I can't tell how you really are in person, but it's good to know that you are doing better. Really, it really does make me feel a lot more comfortable knowing that. It's like, oh no, it's like, I hope you're okay, <laughs> please. I may have known you for a short time, but I do honestly care about everybody's mental well-being here. And then obviously that you've heard a, uh, um, or any member of Fulfilling Destiny Society, there is a deeper need for help you're more than welcome to open space in our heart to let uh let you come in um because grief is something like i said before earlier it's just it's not a measure <laughs> if you're feeling grief you're feeling grief and there's many ways to feel grief whether it is a loss of a loved one a job um the life that you've had before the pandemic had changed all that or even before the pandemic had happened um it's still grief still grief but that's that's i i just i just hate it <laughs> i just i honestly hate that feeling i really do i hate that life event that everyone's gonna have to go through something similar mm -hmm. or just being separated from a loved one forever it's not a great feeling but that there's no way to get out of that <laughs> there's no way to get out of this topic i mean i'm so sorry um but there that is something that i feel like as a young adult now i'm 25 oh i'm not the 25 yet 24 hold on there let's rewind not aging myself a lot more Whew. um talking about grief talking about grief death and dying or end of life events should happen in my opinion earlier it should happen earlier because some of these moments in life just catch us off guard and then how our support groups or those who are comfortable talking about this could uh, honestly, in my opinion, change on how we feel in the future on whenever that event comes by next. Um, like, for, like, 
we'll, we'll take my example, uh, my grandmother having a stroke. I was not prepared for events like that, but it's through my own personal life training that made it possible uh, to one, get the help that she needed and then to look after my family. But then I ignored the part where I needed to help myself, help myself emotionally. Um, it's very important to have those discussions early because that means you could find the signs sooner and you could get the help sooner. Um, but a lot of people like, well, it rarely happens to people. I've heard this talk before. It's like, well, it rarely happens to people, you know, in their average life sense, like, but it's going to happen at some point. It's going to happen, whether it's sooner or later, whether you're a child experiencing a loss or an adult experiencing a loss, you're going to lose, someone's going to lose somebody and they need to be ready for one, not say ready for when it happens, but they need to have tool, like tools available. Like, do they have a parent, a guardian, a sibling, a friend that could be that could be a reason why they keep, um, they'll cope, they'll cope well. Um, and even if there is unhealthy coping mechanisms involved, sometimes it does, right? You have, you heard things like substance abuse to cope. We've seen it in social media. We've seen it in tabloids like, oh, so-and-so is currently an alcoholic or dealing with substance abuse because of like a big loss that have happened in their life or X, Y, Z, stuff like that. Um, but the question that I want to think about whenever I see stuff like that is just like, who was there for them when it happened? Were, were there any, was there anyone available to be in their space to help them? And not that everybody is emotionally or readily available in that moment, but there needs to be somebody there to any capacity. Um, otherwise they're going to, whatever emotions are going to come up, it's just, it could be too much. Maybe that's why we see celebrities or high profile people. We use the word spiraling out of control, but it's really not like that. It's just rampant emotions and whatever system that they're going to put themselves into, that's where they're going to put it to, whether it's unhealthy coping mechanisms or good coping mechanisms turning maladaptive, like throwing yourself into work or we're, we're throwing ourselves into work. That can still be bad, but it could be good as well. So it's a conversation I think that needs to happen at least in high school, but that's just me, my opinion. <laughs> I must be fulfilling destiny in that way, but I think it's important to talk about because um, thankfully you had your mom who knew the signs right away, thankfully for her occupation. But then when my parents heard about some of the losses I experienced in my life, they couldn't help me. They didn't say, they didn't say go to therapy right away. They're just like, well, that's life. <laughs> and I was just like, well, that's not what I wanted to hear, man. That's not what I wanted to hear. It's like, are you going to tell me that it's going to be okay? Are you going to hug me? Are you going to try to console my 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 heart in, in the way that it should? Oh, no, Priyanka. You there? Oh, there you go. <laughs> you froze. It's like, can you console yeah. me? And that was not the message I needed to hear, but I heard it from friends. But sometimes like in my opinion, it's like, I wanted my parents to tell me these things because they're my innermost circle, but they couldn't do it at that time. They do now, but you know, 16 year old me is different than 24 year old me where they could see my face every day <laughs> because you know, pandemic, but that is something you want to tell. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, like um, it's kind of hard because some people don't know how to react, but mm -hmm. you'll, Take that and like keep that forever how they first reacted even though it's not necessarily their their fault like I remember my dad when I told him what happened he kind of he said like you'll you'll find somebody else not in like a dismissive way but I think he's trying to make me feel better but it's like how does that help me right right in this no. moment <laughs> yeah and like it's something I'll always think of but it's not necessarily his fault but like it's hard when you're going through something like that to have to hear people mm -hmm. saying yeah. things insensitive. <laughs> yeah, I had to turn that part of me off. Like the, like I said, the young version of me was very quick to react or quick to like bark some comment after. It's like, you, that is not what I wanted to hear right now, dad. 
G, thanks, you insensitive, you know. <laughs> I did use lost four words there because I was very, very angry. But, <laughs> you know, that's in my grief. I was feeling a lot. But what I could have said is like, you know, that is not what I wanted to hear. But I appreciate the sentiment, you know. Because there probably is, like, my dad probably had something similar, but probably that was the way that he was taught growing up. It's just like, that's life. Deal with it, you know. And then, same thing with my mom. She works at a uh, hospice hospice center. She sees um, death and dying a lot, especially at the height of the COVID. There had been a lot of um, patients that have passed away, unfortunately. Um, and then I did ask her a couple times. It's like, how are you still okay? Okay being the relative term. Uh, she says, like, just happens. And in my head, the first thing I thought was like, that's callous. It's like, but then part the sober part of me is just like, no, that really, it just does happen. Um, they're at a bigger risk. It is a more likely chance, but she can't dwell on the repeated losses over and over otherwise she can't do her job as well she needs to think about the next person that she's going to care for so you know it's it's it put, reframing your brain or reframing your mindset to not react so quickly was probably the hardest part of me in this um, pandemic it's like i really need to stop reacting so quickly and sharply and so intensely sometimes or disconnect myself from making things so personal that was something i needed to, to deal with um, during the pandemic and especially with my parents when it comes to talking about mental health is just that whatever opinions or statements that i would make i cannot take all of them so seriously because they're one my parents and i do love them to that but they're different people they're not the same as me um and whenever i ask for advice or stuff i have to take it with a grain of salt it's whatever their experiences are so if they tell me it's just a loss, move on. I can't take that too hard. I just have to say, well, that's what they think. This is how I feel. And if I think this is still too close to home and I want to sit in this feeling for a while, I am allowed to sit in that feeling for a while. But at some point, like my dad said, I do have to attempt to move on mm -hmm. in some way. Whether it's 100% okay or 10% okay, it's better than being um, stuck in that grief forever but that's just again something you just have to deal with growing like growing up and growing up as an adult in this pen this panini as the joke says <laughs> in this panini <laughs> it's gonna get overcooked at some point but well we're, we're doing our best um any um any last thoughts on it yeah i mean i was just thinking like when you said what your parents said I mean in a way and what my dad said it, they're not wrong but to put it so bluntly it's it sucks, it like, sucks. <laughs> in a way it's like that that is what happens in life like you lose like you were saying earlier you lose a lot of people you have to move on because your brain kind of like I feel like makes you forget a lot of memories that you have with that person and it's almost like your brain's way of coping but it's a way that people can move on Mm -hmm. I think like there's some things that I don't remember and I was kind of mad at myself for it but I'm like that's just my brain <laughs> oh right like when your boyfriend right like you start to forget some details or you're not sure how the story had gone or whatever sweet memories that you have made you do forget at some point and that's that, that, like you said, it's part of their brain's way of coping. It's just like, so you're not attached so intensely to those emotions, but you're also growing as a person too. But I'm sure you think of him fondly, but yeah. not to the point that you're crying every night or you're just in pain thinking about him in that way. Oh God, my voice just cracked. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> not at my double chin. <laughs> But um, no, it, in a way, that's like what's kind of cool about the brain and the call kind of sad is just that I don't think anybody really wants to forget. But the bigger imprint, the memory, those will stay. Um, like the first time you got into uh, like the day that you graduated or 
um, the day you drove your car or how to ride a bike. The memory might be fuzzy, but the the sentiment, the event is still there. Much in the same way grief is. It's like you don't remember entirely what happened. Ten years from now, you might not know entirely what had happened, what exactly happened from point one to point two, but it's enough to affect you. So um, the brain is the brain is a weird thing. And thankfully, I avoided learning more about it because sometimes the brain is just so boring. I'm just going to put it honestly. I ditched <laughs> cognitive psychology, which probably could have told me more <laughs> into social psychology instead, <laughs> social and personality psychology instead, which could teach me more about emotions between people. Um, but that's just me being a nerd. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll just toss that side thought away. But um, it, is a, it is a coping mechanism. Uh, for yourself and for the brain but i don't think it's inherently a bad thing um to slowly pull yourself away from those details but you still love him mm -hmm. and that's the most important part <laughs> yeah <laughs> um because i know i did talk about this with you last time um if you feel comfortable to do you have any like do you have a love letter not like a love letter but like do you have any like passing thought um, that you would like to share about your boyfriend? Um, I mean, not really. I feel like I just um, don't have, like, I, I don't know how to explain it. I've just thought about it so much that I feel like I've thought about every single possible thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it loves love. <laughs> you love yeah. him dearly, and even if he's gone right now. Love, you're carrying him so that's that's the most important part though and it's the most important that you're not in so much pain anymore so that part that makes me feel happy you know that you're at least comfortable to share a lot of your vulnerabilities with me in about in about an hour um in the meantime but um for everyone who has been listening in or to the future podcast listeners listening in um bring up some of these conversations in your own life right? Whether if it's to your close friends, your own partners, or your family members. Um, as we've heard lately, a lot of people in this pandemic has at least experienced a lot more losses than they probably would have admitted or would have seen in their own lifetime so quickly. Um, have these topics up. Have resources available. And then plans. Like, no one wants, like, no one wants to plan for these events in any way um like say like funerals or how things will get done past someone's life um, but it is something to think about um sooner rather than later my opinion and um normalize talking about it talking about grief and loss and emotions because like how you and i've stated before um that grief doesn't really go away and it comes in waves so to have a group of friends or family members that understands when you're feeling very intensely and when you're not feeling as intensely, that is also very important. And be open, open yourself up to the idea of talking to a professional because professionals can help, but that might take some trial and error. Same thing with medication, that might take some trial and error, but that is something that I feel like if you're able to do it, if you have access to that level of care, I say consider it. Um, and in no way am I a medical professional, in no way, but those are just my personal suggestions um, because I, we still have yet to see the outcome of how this pandemic will work out as we slowly integrate back into society past June 15th because that is, that is what California has said. Past June 15th, we could go out into the world with our mask off and I'm just like, no, no. Um, but there is a, that is... Like I said, that, those are some topics to think about um, as we are navigating through this next phase in our life, especially since now I'm turning 25. Let's talk about quarter-life crisis. <laughs> Not my quarter-life crisis. Um, but yeah, that is my soapbox. What about yours? <laughs> if you have any last uh, lingering thoughts before we call it a day and I get out of your hair. <laughs> um, yeah, I would just say that if anyone's thinking about doing therapy or taking medication and like 
wanted to take the first step and has the means to do it, they should definitely do it. Um, and it's kind of like, I guess this is a weird analogy, but like I need glasses to see. I'm wearing contacts right now. But like if I didn't have anything in my eye, I would not build a function. And I feel like we should think of sometimes medication like that. Like it's just something some people may need for some point in their life. And I don't know, <laughs> hopefully it made sense. <laughs> oh no, that totally makes sense. I, I need these. I cannot drive a car. I cannot go to class well, when I was an undergrad, right? If I didn't have these on, like it is medically mandated on my driver's license that I need glasses to function. <laughs> Maybe nobody needs it medically mandated on your car to say this person needs X or X meds. No one needs to know that, but um, it, it, it could help. It honestly could help for some people. If it doesn't work, then well, it doesn't work. But um, the, the thought is that hopefully it helps give you good coping mechanisms or it helps you find some new ones. Yeah, if it doesn't work, you can find other avenues. Like we've seen create, like creative arts come out in times of pandemic. Like I've been drawing a lot and writing a lot and playing the guitar. So that has helped me. What about you? Um, I've been reading a lot. <laughs> reading and movie watching and binging. I mean, those are some ways to cope. Um, if things don't work, it's, well, it's a good time to build hobby building, which I think is really cool the pandemic but then now that I have to go back to work gotta put the hobbies on hold again and then find some time on the weekend to get it back started but <laughs> there's a there's there uh those are some of the things that um can help us in the future as we slowly go into summer now that school's gonna be out for you soon at least for the semester well, actually, right yeah it's actually over like it ended last week hey my cat wanted me to pick her up so she She's just here. Oh, yeah. Too bad. I love cat. What's your cat's name? Her name is Whiskers. I didn't name her. Oh my god, that's so cute. I love Whiskers. Hi. Too bad I'm allergic to cats, but I really love cat TikToks and all that stuff. It's they're cute. Aw. Hi, Whiskers. <laughs> Bye, Whiskers. Um, and then Aya, Aya actually has been here. Um, she's just been listening in, but to, uh. To her message that she has here. I'm not gonna read all of it, but uh, to fulfilling destiny members, to our staff and interns, to all of our listeners, right? Um, just in general, right? How we talk to another human being. Um, if there's anything that we can do to help, please don't hesitate to reach out. It might be extremely hard to. It could be like their personality, or the fear, or even pride, or anything like that. It's like help is there. Help us there. When you want it at your convenience and whenever you're, you're ready for it, we'll be here. And then now, since like you're going to be on your next journey in life in your new internship, <laughs> 30 hours a week, my God, <laughs> we are here for you as well. And you're more than welcome to come back and drop in and say hi or do this again next time and yeah, let me know uh, what is what you've been up to in Washington. <laughs> Hope you don't mean. Hope you don't mind me dropping it every now and again. <laughs> I'll be in San Diego in August. So, really, house yeah. visit? Yeah, because um, school's in person. Oh right, you have to go back. <laughs> oh no! Oh oh gosh! So that means apartment house, apartment hunting soon. Yeah, I actually found a place already because I was gonna stress about that if I didn't find one right away. So mm. I found a place. I just have to go there now in August. In August. Well, I mean, by then the flights have changed, so you don't have to carry, you will have to carry some supplies with you. I, I mean, I've heard that people just only have a backpack or less to fly. So maybe the packing process might be different for you, but you know, if you I do. Drive my car. Are you going to drive? Oh <laughs> gosh. Well, yikes we are gonna make it a road trip so we're gonna see a bunch of places to make it last yeah that'd be fun oh yeah like, honestly make it fun if you're gonna do it a drive and you're gonna commit to the drive might as well make it fun there's a lot of cool stuff did you drive up last time or uh, i never went you were already in washington i was already in washington you're already in washington 
oh yeah there's so many cool places down here in california um especially if you're going north north to south yeah we're going like this <laughs> you'll get warmer and it will get sunnier i'll tell you that much yeah. <laughs> hit me up when you're down here i would love to show you all the cool places down um down yeah. here in san diego okay. i'm sure there when i was like two or three i was like too young to remember anything oh man you're gonna be in so much of a surprise seeing that sun all day in the beaches six feet apart but you know all them gray beaches um but yeah so can't wait to have you come back down uh, when you're in back in person maybe um we'll see you again for fulfilling destiny then yeah uh, when you're back in person and we could actually see each other like <laughs> i only like a is here i've only saw her maybe like three times but even then i couldn't hug her Three times outside of going to pick up supplies, like her actually coming by my house to drop off things for my sister. Um, lovely woman. I can't hug her. And I want to <laughs> hug this woman so much. You're like, oh, you're so cool. But uh, maybe then uh, when we could get all the interns, former interns and even current interns and all of our staff together just so we could actually properly meet. That'll be the next, <laughs> that'll be our next goal for this coming yeah. year. Um, but yeah, so with that, I want to say to all of our viewers, um, if it's morning, good morning. If it's good evening, good evening. Oh no, I said that wrong. Scratch, try that again. If it's morning, good morning. If it's evening, good evening. Um, thank you for giving us your time to listen. Um, I know it's a bit of a emotional, mature episode, but like I said, this is something that people need to talk about. And I like to think that this podcast is going to grow in ways that invites topics like this to be discussed more openly um, because, well, it is, it's an emotion and it's an emotion that we need to talk about. And then until more people can understand and not feel stigmatized by it, it's a topic that's going to always, always going to come up again. And I can hear dishes getting like clack, 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 clack. So that probably means it's time for me to eat. So yeah, I feel like it's dinner time. <laughs> it's dinner time. Jeez. All right, then. So from me to you, goodbye, everybody. Bye. And Priyan, goodbye. And A, goodbye. Yeah. And then I need to get a picture with yourself. So we'll go ahead and do that. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, wait. You. Did you want to say something? <laughs> Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I can only imagine what you have been through. And it's not that we're here. If you need to talk, whatever you need that we can help with, please don't reach out. And I'm pretty sure many people are going to listen to the podcast and reach out for help because you both are brave enough to share your story with others. So thank you so much. No problem. And thank you, Aya, for popping yeah. and listening in to make sure I don't make a mess of, like a mess of myself. <laughs> oh, I'm <no>. joking. Well. <laughs> jokes aside, jokes aside, jokes aside. <laughs> <laughs> well then, until then, till the next episode, everybody, see you later. In three, two, one.